0: Citizen, The Connection, Chapter 7. The following summer, Granny decided the boys needed something to do. She got Freddie a BB gun to shoot squirrels off the power lines, and he took to that right away. As for Tracy, he knew his gift was unusual even though he knew what it was. The package was longer and sturdier than last year's bow and arrow set. It was carefully wrapped in brown paper that smelled like the attic. Tracy looked to be sure he should open it. Go on, Granny said. That was your mom's. And Granny smirked. Maybe it'll come in handy sometime. The bow fit Tracy even though he was taller, and the arrows had real feathers with weighted tips. Once they had the target set up, Granny showed Tracy how it was done. Now. You don't take your eye off the target," she instructed. Granny stood with her feet shoulder-width apart and rod straight. She picked up the bow with her left hand and the arrow with her right. She fixed her eye on the target, arched the bow above her head and down the axis of her face. She touched the arrow to the bow, and held her breath as she brought the bow down and the arrow back. Without stopping, She pulled the arrow taut, released the arrow, and hit the bullseye. Tracy looked at Granny and saw a Japanese warrior, because what she did was textbook samurai. Tracy half expected Granny to put her hair in a tight bun, and take him to see her sword collection hidden behind a secret panel in her bedroom. Either that, or reveal her Native American name was Shoot Straight With No Bullshit. "'Where did you learn to do that?' Tracy screamed. Granny just handed the bow to Tracy and said, "'Now, you try it.' And he did. The boys were ten and eleven, and Freddy carried on, but more so. As Vera feared, Freddy now hung out with his cousins on his father's side. Granny tried to intervene, but it didn't work. Freddy reached puberty early— and his conversion was startlingly quick. In what seemed days, Freddy became more of his father and less of Vera and Granny. Tracy wondered if a werewolf bit his little brother, but then again, he watched way too many Lon Chaney movies. After his mother's death, Moody went to the farm often to get things settled, and each time he came back darker. That summer... Moody only took the boys on a few camper trips. Everyone was changing, except Granny. She relished staying in her little town just smoking, bowling, and talkin' shit. For Moody, the farm was slipping away, and his world was a much narrower place. He was also worried about Tracy. At the end of the summer, Tracy was about to enter the sixth grade. Moody's boy was the one he never had, and even though they weren't biologically related, Tracy and Moody also shared the light inherited from their fathers. Consequently, Moody sensed the dark as intensely as Tracy did, and before Tracy headed back to school, Moody made a decision. The Sunday before Vera came to take the boys back to D.C., Moody asked Tracy to help him. This was the first of a lifetime of meetins disguised as doing something. Want to help me crack some walnuts? Moody asked. They were in the kitchen. Tracy vaguely watched TV as he munched spicy tortilla chips. Not really, Tracy said, which puzzled Moody. The boys had ridden their bikes all day, and Freddie was with his cousins. Granny was down at her mother's. So they were alone. Moody sat down and grabbed a chip, but he wasn't a fan. But you always want to help me, Moody said, which was true. But the summer went by fast, and Moody hadn't been around. Tracy shrugged his shoulders and picked up another spicy chip. He looked at both sides, decided, crunched it, and Moody saw his in. Why do you look at it before you eat it? Moody asked. Tracy looked at his pawpaw and saw something unusual. First, Moody really wanted to know. Second, his pawpaw needed to talk to him, not the other way around. So Tracy softened. I look at both sides to see which side is going to have more flavor. And Tracy picked up another chip to demonstrate. Then I put that side on my tongue, which he did followed by another crunch. Moody picked up a chip, studied both sides, and ate it, and it was better. I see your point, he said. But it takes too long, that is, if you're going to eat the whole bag. And Moody nudged Tracy, which we both know you are. I can see your point, Tracy repeated, and crunched a chip in his grandfather's face. Come on, papa. Let's try some walnuts instead. Moody went downstairs and grabbed two large pliers and they set out for the back house. They swung the wide plywood doors open. Tracy unfolded the webbed lawn chairs and they settled themselves in front of the Gravely. The tractor was the standard walk behind two wheeled model, which was attached to the rototiller at the moment. Moody grabbed the bag of walnuts from the farm, which had spent the year aging in an old onion bag hanging on the wall. The nuts were a little easier to get into now, but not by much. Moody set the bag between them, and the pair looked like two old men from a scene in a movie doing something they always did, even though none of that was true. "'Come on,' Moody said. We both know we didn't come out here for these horrible things. And Moody reached into the bag. What's eating you, son? What do you mean? His boy asked. Well, Moody said, I know I'm not as much myself this year. And Moody's channel locks made a sharp crack, and a piece of shell scattered with enough force to ding a shovel hanging against the wall. Tracy didn't know what to say. He knew they were talking man to man, and that Moody spoke about his mother's death, which wasn't something Tracy ever thought they would talk about. So Tracy just kept working his pliers and tried to get a crack for himself. "'Wanna try the hammer?' Moody asked. He picked up the ball peen that leaned against the wall next to a brick. He put the brick in front of his lawn chair." Then Moody leaned over and placed the walnut with the ridge facing up. He whacked it with the hammer, and the walnut lay over on its side, unimpressed. Next, Moody turned the nut so the opposite ridge was exposed. The second whack split it evenly across the middle. That's cool, Tracy said. The only other way is to run them over in the driveway, but that's a lot of dirt to pick out. Not really worth it and Moody realized he felt that way a lot lately. Waste gas and time, and it's a lot of dirt. Moody took the walnut meat out in one piece and handed Tracy half. Then Moody tossed his half in the air and caught it in his mouth. Tracy did the same, although not as high, but caught it just the same. To Tracy's surprise, the nut was oily and bitter, and Moody noticed. They're much better in muffins, Moody said. He handed Tracy the brick and hammer, and they were in business. After a while, Moody asked again, Are you doing okay with Bobby? Tracy's hammer hit his walnut with unexpected force, which was the answer. More silence followed during the shelling. Personally, Moody stated, I think the man's a complete asshole. He is, Tracy cried out, and wondered if he should be embarrassed. It's all right, son, Moody said. We all know he is, and you can talk freely. That's why I haven't been back to D.C. since we tried doing the bikes with the fucking bastard. Three years earlier, Vera and Moody decided to get the boys' bikes for Christmas. Moody asked Bobby if he wanted to help put them together. When the time came, Bobby was too busy sipping whiskey and watching The Poseidon Adventure, and Moody wasn't going to ask a third time. After Christmas, when Bobby saw Tracy and Freddie having so much fun with their new bikes, he made a decision that nailed the lid. When it came time for the grandparents to leave, Vera, Bobby, and the three boys lined up for their hugs. Then Moody and Granny said goodbye, and turned toward the front door. Ain't you going to take the bikes? Bobby asked. Moody was astonished. Why the hell would we be taking the bikes? The boys are too little, Bobby stated, but Moody didn't understand. They can't take them up and down the stairs to use em here, Bobby explained. To Tracy's mind, Bobby didn't want to be tripping over them. David would take his bike over to his grandmother's house, because David only came to stay with them every other weekend. But Moody still couldn't believe it, and could barely contain his rage. "'Get your little brother,' Moody growled at Tracy, and he did. Vera and Bobby's apartment was only on the second floor. Granted, Tracy was in third grade, and Freddy was still pretty small.' But Moody assumed any parent would be interested in their child's happiness. But that was it. Tracy and Freddy weren't Bobby's kids. Tracy appeared with Freddy, and they knew it was serious. Get your bikes, boys, Moody said. Bobby stared at them, but the boys' allegiance was clear. Tracy and Freddy got their shiny new prizes and wheeled them over. Now, Tracy... I want you to help Freddy with the doors, Moody instructed. And if the stairs are too high for him, take his bike down first. Then you can come back for yours. It was nighttime, the boys thought. And the boys looked at each other and simultaneously wondered, Why would paw, paw? Until each boy looked at Moody's face. Moody shot a look back without saying a word. Then... Tracy narrowed his eyes and looked straight at Bobby. Come on, Freddy, Tracy said. We got this. The boys took their bikes outside and back so there would be no question, and Moody was proud. Well, I don't care, Bobby said flatly. You need to take the boys' bikes back where they came from. And Bobby turned for his recliner. Come on, Jackie, let's get in the car. Moody managed to say. Then he picked up Tracy's bike and went out that door for the last time. Granny looked at Vera with a laser in her eye. We're gonna be talking more often, Granny said, as she puffed on her cigarette. Then Granny picked up Freddie's bike. Even though she was wearing high heels and a dress, Granny carried the bike and her purse down the hall with her lit cigarette all the while keeping a fixed stare on Vera as she descended down the staircase and out of sight.
1: Hello, everyone. Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Now, Tracy became
0: angry as he thought about the bikes, and he smashed another walnut. On the upside, Tracy thought... He could call Bobby an asshole with his papa out loud, so things were getting somewhere. However, Moody was still troubled. I know things are hard there, Trace. Moody said, and he paused. Tracey rarely saw his papa in thought. Moody was always busy, and knew how to do whatever he was doing. Right now, he just cracked another walnut. Sometimes I think I could use some help around here, was what Moody came up with. Tracy wasn't sure what Moody meant, but thought he did. Tracy never felt at home living with Bobby, or how he abused his mother. I'd have a hard time not killing the man, Moody finished. It's crossed my mind, Tracy said, and he smashed another walnut. And sometimes there's good reason to kill a man. I did it in the war. Sometimes it seems even more fitting with family. And Moody smiled. But if that was right, your granny'd be long gone by now. Yep, Tracy said, and I would have taken out Freddy. But Bobby truly is an asshole, Tracy. And Moody paused for a second. And what he does to your mom isn't right. But it's got to play itself out. It's not right, Papa. "'Tracy said, and he started to cry and get angry at the same time. "'I just don't want to be there. "'I mean, I love Mom, but why does she put up with his ass?' "'I don't know,' Moody said. "'But hang in there, and we'll try to get this sorted. "'I'm almost done with what needed doing at the farm. "'Then maybe we can see about getting you out of there.' "'I love you, Papa,' Tracy said quietly and put his hammer down to wipe his tears. Yeah, Moody said, because Tracy's tears confirmed his decision. We'll get you out of there. The next day, Vera took the boys back to D.C. Vera was busier with work, and Bobby found out about the bedwetting. Vera, that sissy boy needs to do his own damn laundry, Bobby shouted one night. Maybe then he'd stop not being able to control himself. Bobby came out of the bedroom and passed to the boys trying to watch TV. Ultraman was on, and even though the cartoon was dubbed into English from Japanese, it was Tracy's favorite. He wanted Hayata's spaceship and ability to fly. Most of all, Tracy wanted his beta capsule that made Hayata big enough to fight off all varieties of monsters and demons. At the moment, that adversary was Bobby, and the cartoon didn't allow escape. Instead, Bobby pointed to the back of Tracy's head. "'The boy needs to grow up and be a man, for God's sake!' But Bobby needed to do some growing up of his own. Vera found hairpins when she got back from picking up the boys. They were in the carpet of their bedroom, and were definitely not hers.' Vera waited until after the boys ate dinner, watched some TV, and went to bed. Bobby sat in his recliner for another whiskey. Vera went into her bedroom, came back with a handful of hairpins, and smoked a cigarette. Vera's favorite ashtray hung just outside her bedroom door. It was a Mother's Day present from Freddie. It had a hook, a fish, and three little chains came from the fish tail to hold the tray. What are you looking at? Bobby said. I'm looking at the no-good ass of a man I married, Vera said. Bobby was jolted. What did you say? You heard me, asshole, Vera replied. Vera went and held her hand above the ashtray beside Bobby's chair, and let her handful of hairpins drop. Bobby thought about charm, But as the hairpins tinkled into the glass tray, he recoiled. I'm tired of it, Bobby, Vera continued. I've been tired of it a long time, and it's got to stop. Bobby looked at the pins. Those are your pins, girl. They most certainly are not, Vera stated. They were deep in the carpet. But Bootsy, Bobby tried. THOSE HAIRPINS MUST HAVE BEEN IN THAT CARPET ALL YEAR. YOU MUST HAVE JUST STEPPED WRONG AND FOUND THEM. Bootsy was Vera's nickname as a girl, and Ginny, Moody, and Granny used it often. Bobby also called Vera that while courting her, but now, when Bobby said it, the name simmered with anger and regret. Vera narrowed her eyes and took a drag of her cigarette. After she flicked her ash into the fishtail, Vera pulled a pin from her hair. "'Do you really think I'm that stupid?' she asked and held it up. Vera moved her cigarette to her left hand, and she held up the hairpin to study it. "'What's that?' But Bobby's question answered itself. "'This is one of my hairpins, you snake,' Vera growled. "'If you could tell your women apart, you'd know there was more than one kind.' And Vera was beyond hot, and didn't care who heard her. Bobby was cornered, so like any snake, he struck. He stood abruptly and hit Vera across the face. But Vera was ready and took it. She also didn't move back, which fueled Bobby's rage. "'What the hell are you talking about, bitch?' Bobby snarled. "'I get my pins in West-by-God, Virginia!' Vera sneered and waved what was hers. They have a twist in em you don't see around here. In fact, they don't make em any more. So the whore you talked into coming here into my bedroom, cause you couldn't go to hers, probably cause she's as low as you, well, she must be a more modern woman, cause the pins in the carpet were straight. And Vera put her cigarette out and mashed the evidence into the ashes. Bobby grabbed Vera's right hand. Let me see that, he screamed, and Bobby held Vera's hand up, looked at her pin, and growled. Bobby's pride was bashed, so he kept her hand and bent it backwards. He kept going, and Vera's wrist went as far as it could go, but Bobby kept going. When Vera had to drop the pin from her hand, Tracy appeared in the doorway of his bedroom with his bow and arrow. Neither his mother nor Bobby saw him. TRACY ARCHED THE BOW ABOVE HIS HEAD AND BROUGHT IT DOWN THE AXIS OF HIS FACE. HE DREW THE BOW THE WAY GRANNY TAUGHT HIM, AND HIS EYES WERE FIXED ON BOBBY'S BLACK HEART. THEN, AS TRACY HELD HIS BREATH AND BROUGHT THE BOW DOWN, IT WAS LIKE A SHEET OF PAPER OBSCURED HIS VIEW. THIS IS NOT FOR YOU, THE TALL SHINY SILVER FIGURE SAID. HE STOOD IN FRONT OF TRACY, WHICH CLOUDED HIS MOTHER AND BOBBY. Then it was if he pulled Tracy aside. At first, Tracy wasn't sure he had heard him. Tracy had stopped talking to his imaginary friend years ago for all the trouble he caused with the dogs. Now the tall, shiny silver figure's voice was distant. But his light was there, even though it was shrouded, and he stood in the way of Tracy's target. "'You know I can shoot right through you.' THE SIXTH GRADER SAID. THIS IS NOT YOUR DESTINY, HE SAID, AND TRACY UNDERSTOOD MORE OF WHAT HE MEANT. THE CHOICE WAS TRACY'S. EITHER HE COULD DO WHAT HE WANTED, AND KILL THE THING HE MOST HATED, AND BOBBY PERSONIFIED HATE WHILE BREAKING HIS MOTHER'S WRIST. OR TRACY COULD REPENT, CHANGE HIS MIND, AND LEAVE IT TO HIM. TRACY HELD THE BOW ANOTHER MOMENT, AND TIME WAITED. Everything was paused for this crossroad, and Tracy felt the tall, shiny silver figure's patience. His light was warm, like a ground fog in spring, swirling on a warm breeze. Then, as Tracy felt his image, Tracy remembered and relented. Besides, Tracy didn't want to take the chance of hitting his mother by mistake, so he released the tension of the bow. Once Tracy made his choice, he took over, and time resumed. As Bobby pushed down on Vera's wrist, her head was turned, and she was shown her son. Tracy stood with the bow and arrow her mother had given her, which was now drawn against her husband, and that sight almost hurt Vera more than the physical pain inflicted on her. Then the end of Vera's fingers almost touched the top of her upper arm, AND BOBBY BENT FARTHER AGAINST ALL THAT WAS GOOD. THE BREAK WAS LOUD TO BOBBY, BUT DULLED FOR VERA AND TRACY. THE PAIN WAS QUICKLY FOLLOWED BY ADRENALINE. THE FOG PRESENT FROM HIM ALSO HELPED VERA, AND FORCED BOBBY TO LET GO. THEN BOBBY GOT HIS COAT, WENT OUT THE FRONT DOOR, AND LEFT HIS MESS BEHIND HIM. VERA SLUMPED INTO BOBBY'S CHAIR, AND TRACY RAN TO LOCK THE DOOR, He ran for the phone as his mother tried to ask for it. Vera's wrist was limp, but after she caught her breath, she got up and went to the kitchen for ice. Get a sandwich bag, Vera managed. Tracy did and put ice in the bag. When Vera put it on her wrist, Freddy appeared at the ready. Get Mom a small towel, Tracy said, and Freddy was gone. Vera sat down at the kitchen table. Mama Roe? Tracy asked. Vera nodded and Tracy dialed. Freddy came back with a towel, handed it to his mother, and sat at her feet. Vera wrapped the towel around the ice on her wrist. Once Tracy heard the phone dialing, he held the receiver to his mother's ear. Rosetta answered during the first ring. "'I did it,' Vera said. "'And you need to come get me.' "'Oh, my lord!' Roe yelled. "'Are you okay?' I'm pretty sure he broke my wrist. He broke her wrist, Roe yelled to Charlie. I'm on my way with the gun, Charlie yelled back. No, Roe, he left out, Vera said. Just come and get me to the hospital. And Mama Roe listened, but Charlie was also talking. Wait a minute, Roe said to both. No, Charlie, he's gone out, and Bootsy needs to go to the hospital. Now you hold on, Shug, and we'll be right there. "'Charlie, get the car ready!' And there was a brief pause. "'Not the Camara!' And Roe was annoyed now. "'Bobby's left out, and this is no time for a manhunt!' "'Tracy had my bow and arrow set out,' Vera said through the pain. "'He was ready to kill him!' "'Charlie!' Roe screamed. "'Tracy was going to kill the bastard with Vera's arrows!' And Roe laughed, but quickly followed with, Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry for that outburst, but you know what I meant. And Roe was pretty sure the Lord forgave her. Then Tracy heard Charlie laugh out loud, a very unusual sound, and Tracy cried a little as he held the phone, but from pride. The boy's a man now, Charlie gloated. Come on, Roe, Roe, let's get over there.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print, as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, If you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.